I remember a number of years ago an unexpected fright I had while constructing my first house. All began completely ordinary and actually quite exciting as I started to see everything come together. But very quickly it took a turn for the worst and went down a path beyond what is termed natural. I was thrilled to be starting this project and this new adventure. I had opted for a very traditional brick structure for my house and wanted exposed brick inside for style. Things were actually moving along quite swimmingly. I remember very vividly one night I was walking around through the second story of this new structure looking at the framework that had been done for each of the bedrooms. This was going to be perfect, better than I had planned. But suddenly I heard a strange sound I had never heard before coming from the ground level. I froze in my tracks and listened intently. There it was again. The only way I could describe it is a deep, gentle yet agitated moan. I slowly and cautiously made my way to the stairs and peered down to the dark abyss below. It was too dark to see anything. Against my better judgment, I courageously inched my way down the stairs. Wait, did I just see something move in the darkness? Maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me. The doors were shut tight, nothing could have gotten in. Finally, I was fully immersed in darkness. I was trying to gather my senses in this shadow room when it happened. Faster than I had time to react, something hit me hard from the left side. I turned to look at what had hit me when another blow came just as hard from behind. As I tried to retreat to the stairs, they stepped into the light. Two, three, four. And they just kept coming. I stood no chance. There were too many of them for me to handle on my own. I died. That was when I learned the importance of zombie-proofing your house in Minecraft. This was back in 2012, just a few months after the game's mobile release, but I want to talk about something that might should be applicable to all of us. Preparing for real-world zombies. You're listening to A Degree in Nonsense. I'm Josh Hobbs. I feel there's value in useless but fun information. Unfortunately, it won't pay your bills. So, in this podcast, I share random but interesting things I take the time to learn. Essentially, I waste time so you don't have to. Here we go. I wouldn't have had any reason to worry in my Minecraft example if I had known ahead of time how to zombie-proof in the game. Well, in the event of a real-world zombie problem, are you prepared? There are sources out there that have our back. For instance, the Zombie Research Society. In Luke W. Boyd's words, the editor-in-chief, the Zombie Research Society, quote, is dedicated to the science, survival, and culture of the living dead. Many of our official advisory board members have degrees in psychiatry, neuroscience, and epidemiology, end quote. They have influence in the media realm of zombies. For instance, the founder, Matt Moak, as it says straight from the website, was a cast member on AMC's Talking Dead, the live after show of The Walking Dead, and has appeared as a zombie expert on numerous television networks, including Nat Geo, The History Channel, and Spike. Their website has many articles featuring all things zombies in a fun, educational, and actually very science and history-based way. 
Alright, let's say my Minecraft example were a real-world example, and more than placing torches would need to be done to keep zombies out. Well, they've got a page titled Zombie Proof Your Apartment, featuring an illustration made by forrent.com. Let's look through it a bit. Reading from the illustration. Once the zombie apocalypse hits, you'll want to make sure that your apartment is as zombie-proof as possible. You likely won't have access to modern luxuries like electricity. So much for playing Minecraft. So you'll have to make do with a lot of DIY knowledge. Follow these steps to ensure safety from zombies in your own home. Know your zombie. Not all zombies are created equal, so it's important to be prepared for whatever version of the undead you may face. Here are a few classic types. The page then goes on into detail describing basic walkers, runners, and stalkers, basically crawling zombies. The biggest threat to apartments is they can scale walls. They continue to explain that an MDF door can only repel three zombies, a solid wood door up to seven, while a steel door can repel 14 plus. They've put some serious thought into this whole PSA as they go on to talk about locks, food storage, weapons, and more. I'll let you read the rest of it. The Zombie Research Society has three foundational principles. Number one, a zombie is defined as a relentlessly aggressive human or reanimated human corpse driven by a biological infection. Number two, enthusiastic debate regarding the historic, scientific, and cultural study of zombies is essential to the survival of the human race. And number three, the zombie pandemic is inevitable, and survival of the human race is crucial. It's simply a matter of when, so be prepared. If I was going to be covering the living dead, I needed help from the experts, so I called them. Hello? This is Cameron Carlson, spokesman in media for the Zombie Research Society. On the board, I'm in charge of the survival and the weapon aspect of like, you know, how to make weapons, how to, you know, start a fire, you know, basic survival skills, things like that, to basically inform people like who have never done it before how to survive during the apocalypse, pretty much. Um, and then on the other hand, I'm part of the management team who runs the, you know, the PR and the, and the media appearances and things like that. Here's what his bio says on the website. Cameron Carlson is an active duty officer for the United States Navy. He has conducted counter-piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden, researched disaster relief effectiveness around the world, and is an expert in outdoor survival. Cameron currently lives in Monterey, California, while attending the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, well, the, the first of the three foundational principles of the society defines a zombie, uh, and it says a zombie is defined as a relentlessly aggressive human or reanimated human corpse driven by a, let's see, driven by a biological infection. So do we have any examples in history, uh, whether it's, it's recent or, or long past, uh, of anything that you th would say would qualify as a zombie? So looking at that, kind of take that in context, because what a zombie is, is exactly what you just said. But I wanted to expand that. I wanted to say it's a reanimated organism. I say that because there have been different types of instances over the past couple of years that could actually qualify from that. So if you look way back and you look to Haiti and voodoo and the Bokors, that was our first kind of 
that was the first spiritual kind of recollection to the zombie. People would quote unquote die and then be brought to life, brought back to life through voodoo. That's touching the very, very surface. That was the first word of zombie that we would hear. And that's touching the very, just, just the wave tips of that. You fast forward, Florida man strikes again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> if you remember, I think seven, eight years ago, was, do you remember when the, when the Florida man was like, they were like biting people's faces off because of like hallucinating? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I do remember that. Yeah. The word zombie had come up during that. And of course, who wouldn't say zombie if, I, if you heard of someone biting someone's face? <laughs> so for all we know, it could have been. And then more recently, maybe two, three years ago, if you've ever seen the game, uh, The Last of Us. Okay, so The Last of Us takes a, takes a realistic, it brings a fungus that is actually naturally occurring in, I believe, the Amazon. I can't, I can't remember. I think it's the Amazon. Uh, and brings it into real life. This is the actually known zombie in nature because uh, the cordyceps fungus basically is a fungus that is only affects ants and some certain types of other insects. What happens is the cordyceps fungus will infect an ant, so a spore will drop onto an ant, and the fungus will bury inside the ant's head. Now, this is a parasitic relationship. So what happens is it basically takes over the ant, like takes over the brain, forces the ant to climb to the highest branch it can, die with a death grip on the branch, while the fungus then grows out of its head. Yeah, and then releases its spores onto other ants, so repeating the cycle. So in that situation, that can be considered a zombie, just the simple fact that the ant itself is dead, but the neurological function is being forced by another entity, such as a fungal infection. That fungus Cameron is talking about is called Ophiocordyceps unilateralis, or just commonly called zombie ant fungus. When an ant is infected, it only takes three to nine days for the fungus to fully develop before it begins to manipulate the ant's behavior. BBC has a list on their website of 10 such zombie parasites. One other example is toxoplasmosis. At least one third of humans are infected, but it's still a matter of research and debate whether the toxoplasma parasite has any effect on humans. But on rodents, it alters their neurology. Naturally, rodents are afraid of the scent of cats, for obvious reasons. However, the effects of this infection causes the fear to be eradicated in the rodent's brain and creates an attraction to a pheromone in the cat's urine. You can see where this is going. The mouse finds itself around its predator and is gobbled up. This is exactly what the parasite wants, because inside of the cat's gut is where this creature can reproduce. Um, so the second point then uh, states enthusiastic debate regarding the historic, scientific, and cultural study of zombies is essential for the survival of the human race. So can you kind of uh, expound on this? Uh, I guess how do you take the the meaning of this? Yeah. So okay, if you if you look at it, um, so if you look at like the whole zombie craze, you look at it from where it started with pretty much where George Romero and Night of the Living Dead, and you take that and you look at the cultural aspects because if you look at the cultural aspects. Uh, basically starting from there and then moving all the way to present day with, you know, zombie land and 28 days later and things like that, you see people are looking at it from different lights. Before it was just reanimated corpses coming back to life. Now it's shifted into biological terrorism pretty much. And it's, it's whatever the terror du jour is. But what is interesting about looking at the cultural and scientific aspects of a zombie apocalypse is that it shares many, many, you know, paradigms with 
everyday disasters. So focusing on the zombies and focusing on getting people prepared to deal with the zombie apocalypse, you're also getting people ready to deal with everyday disasters such as tornadoes, earthquakes, hurricanes, you know, you name it. And to see where people's fear lies is where you start seeing the similarities in pop culture, such as movies uh, and video games. And then moving those forward into the future, you're starting to see people really take an interest based upon that, looking at it going, okay, from let's say an economic or a political standpoint, what are what would a zombie apocalypse do to the United States or to the world? And how would we cope with that? And that study right there shows that an economy, a political government, uh, a human being is so fragile that by examining that one little aspect, it's a worst case scenario. So you always come out on top if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, so Daniel Dresner of Tufts University, one of the board members, actually wrote a zombie book, uh, Politics and Zombies. I actually used this book when I was in my master's program in Monterey, California, and it basically was a political economic look at a world and what zombies would do to it. And it's fascinating. It is, it's, if, if you look at that and you say to yourself, what would a zombie apocalypse do right now to all these governments? And you see how fragile it is. It's basically like a match head waiting to go up. That's why we frame it that way from a cultural, scientific, political, economic, and a, like a worldview. If you understand the worst case scenario, you can be more prepared for it. Basically, sometimes emergency prep is boring. But everyone enjoys a good zombie discussion. Utilizing the zombie craze, people can interact in an engaging way with emergency preparation and get some real-world benefits out of it. The CDC actually has a zombie preparedness page on their government website. Here's how they explain it. Wonder why zombies, zombie apocalypse, and zombie preparedness continue to live or walk dead on a CDC website? As it turns out, what began as a tongue-in-cheek campaign to engage new audiences with preparedness messages has proven to be a very effective platform. We continue to reach and engage a wide variety of audiences on all hazards preparedness via zombie preparedness. Alright, well the, the, the third point uh, states, the zombie pandemic is inevitable and survival of the human race is crucial. Uh, it's simply a matter of when, so be prepared. Um, so I guess, how so is the, the pandemic inevitable? Do I think it is possible? Yes, it is possible. Let's be, let's be completely honest with the ability to, you know, edit genes, to create viruses, to create infections, to do all these different things on a, you know, a DNA level, on a molecular level. Of course, someone out there right now, I guarantee it that we don't know about is toying with like the T-virus from Resident Evil, guaranteed, just we don't know about it, but it is inevitable. Uh, something's gonna happen where reanimation, uh, I don't think it will happen in our lifetime uh, in the next, maybe next 40, 50 years, but who knows? I mean, it could be, it could be like I Am Legend, like we develop a cure for cancer and yet it creates zombies. I don't, I mean, anything is possible. We're gonna see something in the future. And you know, being prepared for that is, is crucial. What steps can we take now to be prepared for, for that kind of situation? Look at it from a zombie point, zombie apocalypse point from a fun aspect, because that's really what this is. If you are prepared from a zombie apocalypse, then you are prepared for all things disaster. Tips for everybody out there would be read books on how to survive in the wilderness. A great one is how to stay alive in the woods. I really like that one. Learn how to build a fire using minimal things. Learn how to 
you know, make a solar steel to find, to get water, learn how to purify water with just using what you have on hand, like parachute cord, rocks, charcoal, you name it. Learn how to build a stove out of bricks that you can find any place. Learn how to shoot a gun. Like even if it's like a 22 survival rifle, that's important. Learn how to make spears out of things you find, like out of wood and, and metal that you find laying around because anything can be a weapon. So prepare yourself, make sure that you have like two weeks of food, water, you name it, like a purification. Uh, we could go on and on and on about what we should do, but just basic survival skills. And then always just remember, like if you want to survive, you will. It's all up to you. Um, let's say the zombie apocalypse happened today. You were you stepped outside your house and found that half the city had been infected. Uh, what would be the first few steps that you'd take to uh, survive? <laughs> I love this. Um, it's a great question. First thing, get back inside. Step two, turn the radio on. Because by and large, the radio will still be on. Some kind of coverage will be going on. You have to understand what you're dealing with. You have to understand where the central locations are and you have to understand the extent of what's going on because a zombie apocalypse doesn't just happen overnight, it happens in stages, and most likely the military will already be involved. You'll, you'll start seeing signs ahead of time, but when it does go down, make sure you understand where and where you have to stay away from. Remain calm, understand that it's going down. Things are never gonna be the same if it continues. Take precautions of what you've already prepared for, start planning kind of like a chess game. If X happens, I'm gonna do Y. If Y goes south, I'm gonna do Z. Once things have cooled down, that's when you begin venturing out, but not too far at once. So you go a block, then you go two blocks, then you go three blocks if you're in the city, till you figure out what is the furthest out I can go. And then at that point, once you understand what's out there, then you can start thinking about leaving the immediate area and trying to find someplace else to go. But in some cases, where you are, may be your best option. Would you say it's more reasonable to try and escape or, you know, and or go up against a large mob of slow zombies or a smaller group of three or four fast zombies? So I, I would take the slow movers any day. Any <laughs> yeah. day. I mean, if you've ever seen 28 Days Later or Zombieland, I am not outrunning anybody. Forget yeah, it. I'm just yeah. not. Rule one, cardio. <laughs> okay. You know, I would rather take the slow movers because it's easier to outmaneuver. If you've got fast movers, then if you're not fast enough, like if you're not Hussein Bolt, then guess what? You're done. I 100% agree with you there. <laughs> I mean, then again, if you're with somebody who's slower, you don't have to be fast, just faster than them. <laughs> Zombies aren't walking around right now, and if they ever are, it'll probably be years down the road. But whatever happens, never hurts to be prepared, right? Special thanks to Cameron Carlson for the interview and the Zombie Research Society as a whole. Their link, as well as links to all our sources, will be in the show notes. Our theme song is by Blue Wednesday. Check them out at the link we'll post. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.